This presentation is from Service Design Canberra 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. So this time I would like to introduce Simon and Kate, uh, and they're going to tell us about a, um, uh, another case study about a local government project. Thanks. Thank you. Oh, sorry, one. <laughs> you don't need two mics. <laughs> Cool, thanks Donna, and thanks everyone for inviting us here to come and speak at UX Australia. I'm uh, very excited, you know, I was sitting there in my first UX Australia conference a couple of years ago and now I'm up here, so it's really, really cool. Um, so as Donna said, I'm Simon, I'm the Customer Experience Digital Lead at the City of Burundara, uh, a local ca- council in Melbourne, and this is Kate, a freelance service designer and business coach. Um, today we'll be sharing with you our sort of lived experience of doing service design at the coalface. Um, attempting to change a local government authority into a more customer-centric organisation. Um, our present- presentation today has two audiences, so if you're an entrepreneur working inside an organisation, we hope you get some tips and tricks out of what we did so that you can go away and do some agile service design. And if you're a freelance service designer or consultancy, um, we hope you'll be able to get some, um, some also tips and tricks about how to work with organisations like ours to actually produce those win-win outcomes that we're talking about. And I guess for both audiences, the key takeaway is how being inclusive in service design can produce those positive outcomes and actually bring together everybody and even benefit the service design community as a whole. So... What today is actually about is what happens when a zoologist, a parking inspector and a service designer walk into a bar. So hopefully the punchline to that will become clear over the next 15 minutes. So um, as an independent service and experience designer, I feel really lucky that I get to work with my purpose every day, which is to activate the potential in people and organisations to do good via their work. And really the central part of that for me is activating people's potential. And in a service design context, I think what's really key to that is actually putting service design into the hands of people so that they can have an impact, make a difference, no matter who they are, no matter what they're doing, no matter what their role in an organisation. And there's no place that's really, I think, this is more important than the government context. And for me, what that government context is all about is three things. Firstly, it's an incredibly complex, networked, interlinked environment dealing with really constrained resources and resources that need to be spread out over a wide group of people. And all the while doing this with the, the need to actually be making a difference for citizens and community. So if we're thinking about uh, service design and bringing it into organisations, a lot of the time this happens uh, in the early days when organisations are starting to think about this by maybe bringing in um, design consultancies or agencies and and doing discrete projects or it might be bringing in a team and starting to build up a, a customer experience or a service design team. And both of these approaches are really valid um, and have their place. But if governments or any organisations for that matter can begin to actually put the service design into the hands of everyone, it gives everybody that ability to have more of an impact. So it gives them ways that they can kind of navigate that complex networked environment. It brings design into the organisation in a way that is a little bit less resource intensive and it also gives people the ability to understand their community and their citizens better so that they can make that difference. 
Essentially, what this is about is raising the entire customer-centric or human-centric maturity of the organisation by focusing on all the individuals and raising that maturity of the individuals as well. So in terms of our maturity, when we came across Kate, um, we had a pretty clear vision of what we wanted to achieve. So um, Burundara is a fairly rich council in, in the suburbs of Melbourne. We have 170,000 residents. Um, <laughs> and so we could actually afford... So we didn't have much of the resource constraints that you know, a lot of local government agencies have. So we could actually afford to look at customer experience, which was a really, really luxury, luxurious thing that we had. And so um, with the help of ThinkPlace, who you heard from Darren earlier... Um, we did a six-month customer experience improvement strategy, or CEIS, um, which was a whole introduction to co-design and developing uh, strategies with the community for, for Burundara. Um, and so uh, we co-designed this with staff and community, and it was actually really, really well was received by the organisation. So we had the vision, we had the impetus, we had the go from the CEO down to go and implement. Um, what we didn't have was the how. So... Um, to get to where we wanted to get to, there were 18 initiatives we had to tick off, and I was responsible for 10 of those initiatives. So, uh, much like Jess said earlier this morning, um, it was kind of a question of, how do we do this? How do I climb this mountain? And really, I had no safety net as I was doing it. So, um, that's the kind of, I guess, the context that, um, that what we were ha happening. And then, that's where we met Kate, and that's when we decided we really needed some professional advice, and that's how we found her on LinkedIn. So in also looking for professional advice, as you'll know, there's probably a new book that comes out on producing great customer experiences every week. So it wasn't about the lack of information out there. It was about filtering what was actually useful for government. And you Kate talked about the government context. What does actually um, customer experience implementation look like for a local government authority like ours? And so luckily my manager, she's a foresight practitioner and really avid reader of books, she churned through all this stuff, so I didn't have to, um, and managed to um, pick out what were the key things. And what we heard time and time again was this concept of needing to do it iteratively. And so in developer speak, it's having an agile methodology, not a waterfall methodology. And in particular, one thing that we picked out of the Customer Experience for Dummies book um, was a really neat chapter on how to create multidisciplinary teams bring them together for a defined period of time, which was 20 days, and work on a single project for that 20 days, and then move on to the next project. Uh, adding to that was our actual experience designing our process improvement program, or PI program. Um, and from that program, we learned how to actually engage with staff and get them to think about their uh, processes in a more customer-centric way. So... From that, the 20-day pie challenge emerged. So each 20-day pie challenge involves seconding four staff uh, from areas across council into a uh, full-time into a small design team for 20 days. So we, we gave them projects to work on that were common to the entire organisation, so tackling those big cross-organisational issues that uh, have been left untouched for a long time. Um, so you can imagine sitting in a room of staff with people such as librarians, traffic engineers, uh, power planners, um, health inspectors, and, yes, parking inspectors. Um, you can imagine the types of innovative and different ways of looking at those issues and the conversations that we have. So it was really, really exciting being in those meetings. 
So we were lucky enough to secure funding to actually provide backfill um, for their home department. So when we pulled them out to work with us for 20 days, um, we provided a backfill resource um, so the managers could actually let them go uh, without too much of us. So they were led by me, uh, a project manager, um, and also mentored by an executive sponsor. So this was someone drawn from our executive leadership team. And uh, they kind of were there to clear the roadblocks and make sure that any issues within those four weeks were addressed and didn't stop the team achieving what they needed to do. In addition, we had four senior managers who acted as kind of like a steering committee for the 20-day PI team. Uh, and we met weekly with uh, that group of people to actually talk through the issues and, and see what would need to happen next week and, and where we were at and any roadblocks that needed to be cleared. To further prep the team, um, I developed a two-day training program in service design um, and agile methodologies. It was a kind of a hands-on, learn-on-the-job type of thing. So we did things like the Marshmallow Challenge and the Stanford Uni Wallet exercise, as well as rapid team building like survival scenarios and um, our Lego series play. So the limited time period for each challenge, the 20 days, that was again in keeping with those agile uh, methodologies. So um, we thought 20 days was the perfect time to scope, analyse, research and provide recommendations on each of these discrete issues. Um, and it was also kind of short enough that we didn't disconnect from them from their normal days. So when, we, when they went back to their normal jobs after 20 days, they didn't completely forget what they were doing. And having that defined time period also was great in terms of keeping them focused and keeping them uh, on task so that we didn't get out of scope um, or didn't produce too broad outcomes. The other real benefit of having them every 20 days um, was that we were able to demonstrate progress and momentum to the organisation. So um, each of the ones we've done, we've done six to date, they were kind of like a little sweet treat that you know, happened in the organisation. So we kind of got them addicted to sugar um, and every time another 20-day ch challenge happened, we got more positive experiences out of it. People kept wanting to do more. So from in the beginning when we are kind of begging people to come on board and work with us, now we've got the nice problem of having oversupply and people... Uh, Put, being put on a waiting list to be put on a future project. So that was a really, really important thing about having you know, multiple service design projects. And another benefit of having sort of iterative um, projects was um, with the six um, uh, projects we've done already, uh, we've actually got all of the executive um, teams through as executive sponsors and also we have most of senior management through. So they're in there every week seeing how we work, seeing what we mean by customer-centric and really most importantly, uh, seeing their staff grow and actually take on what it means to be customer-centric within those four weeks. And so we really, really transformed the understanding and championing of the CEAS program by having you know, these key uh, decision-makers in the room while we were having that you know, uh, messy phase of actually doing the work. Um, and we, went, we took them from you know, initially being doubtful about what was going to happen to really championing the project even when we had you know, severe resource constraints happening. So I, I kind of realised during this presentation that what I was doing with the 20-day pie teams was something I learned in my days as a zoologist. Um, the, in particular, there's a the theory known as adaptive experimental management, and it's used in respect of uh, managing pests. In Australia, we have pests called foxes. And so what experimental adaptive management is, is actually doing what you're actually learning. So uh, with foxes, it was having a couple of different control sites and 
testing different methods of controlling fox numbers there. So you might um, bait in one site, shoot in another site, or trap in another site. And so what that has the benefit of doing was actually achieving your goal of reducing fox numbers while also being able to test which methodology worked the best across the different sites. Um, and so that's what we're doing, um, actually, was applying the concept of um, adaptive experimental management to service design and figuring out um, how we actually change the organisation to be a customer-centric um, organisation. And I guess Kate might say that this was a clever decision, but for me it was really a, a, a survival tactic and falling back on what I know as a zoologist. So each team was kind of like a little experiment, a little guinea pig for what we wanted to do. Um, and so we could simultaneously test service design tools while actually delivering on what the organisation needed. So here are some of the experiments. One of the teams, we tested uh, customer uh, empathy mapping and also customer interviews. So we had gorilla teams out in dog parks asking them how their uh, pet registration went. And all of those insights went into developing our online pet registration form. So that was one way to get the organisation thinking about how we get the voice of the customer into our online forms. The second one was around customer journey mapping. So uh, we uh, prototyped how we might do customer journey mapping. And uh, Jess, you mentioned today that uh, you know, BC has four different departments you need to talk to for a plot of land. Well, at Burundara, we raised that to six different departments and 14 different forms just to build a front fence. So that had been well uh, identified. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's not ex including the external service agencies. So um, we, had, we knew this was a painful process for our residents, um, but we didn't have the sort of uh, capacity to express that. So that's why we tested customer journey mapping to actually show those pain and delight points and those emotional and practical goals. Um, and it was a really powerful tool in the end of explaining to the organisation why six departments and 14 forms isn't okay. And finally, another one of the teams looked at um, what we call life events. So um, this is off the back of some New Zealand research that shows people don't interact with government unless they have to. And it's normally around triggers um, such as having a baby, um, immigrating or buying a car um, that leads them to uh, have interactions with government. So we decided to look at what that means for uh, Burundara and we matched up our services with what these key life events are. And off the back of that and off the back of customer journey mapping, we're now undertaking our largest piece of customer research ever, where we're going out and looking at 10 of these key life events and actually doing customer journey mapping with uh, customers along each of those. So that's 180 people, 10 life events, and it'll just give us a really rich qualitative information base of what customers' um, drivers are for accessing government services and actually provide us the voice of the customer going forward in all of our service design and process improvement. Uh, work at council. So when Simon came to me with this project, asked me to kind of come on in, I suppose, a, a mentor capacity, I was really excited about it because in my experience working on various service design projects, what I found is that some of the best ones are the ones where the organisation gets intimately involved with the service design process as much as possible. You know, it's easy as designers and as agencies to go in and do all the research and do all the synthesis and do all the, you know, the workshops and the co-design and the prototyping and then hand over a report or some recommendations and say, hey, go, go implement or, or figure it out. But what I found is that when we can get the people in the organisation involved, that's when you start to build that customer-centric maturity. 
So for me, why projects like this where you do get them involved are so, um, are so great is because firstly, down on the bottom, bottom left down there, is you're really enabling people. You're giving them the skills, the tools, the knowledge to be able to be customer-centric and, and do service design. On the bottom right there, you empower them. You actually get them to see that they have a responsibility in the entire service ecosystem and that they have some authority to actually do something and some autonomy to do something about it. And then finally, you're engaging them. You're getting them more involved with that service design or customer-centric process so that they can see the value in it. They're motivated to do it. They believe that there's a purpose to doing that and they can see the value in it. When we started doing this project, though, I was a little bit unsure. I'm like, oh, I feel like this is a good thing to do, but does it actually work? I don't know. Can we get people from around the organisation and essentially turn them into service designers? Um, and the answer was yes. Yes, you can. Um, and there was a moment for me where this became really clear. It was sitting down in a review after the final pilot and in, sorry, the, the first pilot that we did. And the review was with each of the team members who'd gone through um, the project, one of whom was probably one of the least customer-centric roles in an organisation which you might think of, which was a parking inspector. Turns out he was actually a really lovely guy, but, you know, not the kind of person you would think would be ultimately suited to a service design context. But sitting down with him, he started talking to me about how he developed this kind of understanding of why he needed to try and understand people and kind of think about what was going on for them. And he was really kind of demonstrating this depth of empathy that wasn't there before. Secondly, he started talking about how he could see how in his role he could maybe start to begin to make some changes and, and how he already had a few ideas for what he could do and also like he just had this kind of sense of ownership of the service experience and with his role as a parking inspector. So that was pretty amazing for me. Um, so how did we actually do this and what can you potentially learn from our experience going through this of kind of organisation and mentor working together uh, to do service design? Well, from the organisation perspective, really think about using your, your resources or your people um, wisely. They are an amazing group of yeah, people that you can use in the design process. For the designer, though, you have to really relinquish control. And we all know that as designers, we like our little bit of control, but you need to be able to step back and encourage ownership within the team. You want to be um, using your designers as an organisation as a guide, not doing the doing all the time. And for designers, what's really important when you're mentoring is teaching the team what's needed and to the task so that they've got enough to kind of move forward with this. Um, you can't teach everything service design in a 20-day challenge with people who've never experienced this before. So working on things that are important, like we did, for example, a number of exercises around gaining empathy with people and really honed in on kind of interviewing as a practical skill because that's so central to the whole research process. Next, get your designers to work with you, not for you. So really kind of integrate as part of the team. And for the designer, really try and help with and lead the trickier stuff. There will be moments where you kind of need to step in and take, take the lead a bit. And for us, that was me stepping in and assisting with running customer journey mapping workshops with customers because it had that added layer of complexity of kind of dealing with the people and the facilitation and everything. Um, finally, focus on capability development through action. Action, action, action. Get stuff happening. 
less, more doing, less talking. And for the designer, really focus on the action bit, not on the perfection side of things, because it's not going to be a perfect service design process. You're doing it in 20 days, you're doing it with inexperienced people, but it's amazing what they can do if you let them kind of get moving. And another kind of organisational learning um, is what I deem kind of re-entry issues. So um, for staff, after you know, experiencing service design for 20 days, going back to their normal jobs was very difficult for them. So a lot of people had, you know, went back to customers yelling at them on the phone um, and actually knowing what needed to be fixed to actually stop the customer yelling at them on the phone, um, but also actually wanting to do more and, and not having those opportunities. So we're currently thinking about how we actually uh, leverage that, you know, that capability ongoing after they've finished the 20-day program. Um, and the other re-entry issue is actually the ideas. So um, more than once um, for the, the topics that we completed, we actually had really, really um, intense debates at the executive level about whether 20 days of um, service design research, that type of thing, is actually enough to solve 20 years of ingrained behaviour. So is what they've done in those 20 days imperfect enough to actually change the organisation and make the case to change the organisation? Um, and we were really, really lucky in that, you know, the CEO really supported us in doing this and raising these questions and having that debate. Um, but as a project manager and a service designer, you really need to be really thick-skinned about that and keep, you know, putting those ideas up, keep having those difficult conversations um, and trusting in the process that you are making change happen and that, you, you know, you do you take those little sweet treats and see those individual changes because, you, you know, really have to do this one person at a time when you're doing a massive organisational change like we were. So uh, while the journey isn't over, uh, this conference presentation really gave me the opportunity to sort of sit back, relax, and have a look at um, where we got to on that mountain climb. So um, I can honestly say that you know, each 20-day challenge had its own frustrations and, and difficulties, but each and every one of them I've really, really enjoyed you know, sitting there and watching the development of the staff and seeing them transform and become uh, service designers in their own right and seeing the impact that that has on the organisation. So what does happen when you get a zoologist, Simon, uh, Alex, the parking inspector, and the service designer, me, what happens when we walk into a bar? Well, through a series of small experiments, leveraging internal resources and external expertise, we were able to demonstrate uh, value in service design through small successes and raise the customer-centric maturity of the city of Borundara one person at a time. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from Service Design Canberra 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.